lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf, filling out mock drafts leading up to the actual draft in April, filling out March Madness brackets that are going to be dumpster fires within the first weekend of the tournament here. But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Whether you're hosting game day or movie night, DiGiorno knows that planning a wash party on a budget isn't easy. You need the perfect setting, the perfect squad, and the perfect eats. Luckily, you're a game time mastermind, and you know that grabbing DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza can bring home a dub because it's packed with half a pound of cheese, sauce, and other toppings and comes at an incredible price. Make the game-winning call and grab a DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza from the grocery store today. It's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr., Jesse Cofield, back with us in the DraftKings studios in Boston. We are brought to you by Wrangler, made for the ride of life. Save 15% of your first Wrangler.com order with promo code GOJO15. Got a great show for you guys. As always, download, subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you get your podcasts, and check us out live here at DraftKings YouTube, DraftKingsNetwork.com, and Samsung TV Plus, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. Kenny Albert going to join us here, fresh off calling the NFL game in London between the Bills and the Jags. He's also got hockey coming up as we start the NHL season. He's got a book coming out, but we've got Jesse returning from IR with us. She is back here, and she is healthy. And we've got my father fresh off a heater last night out in Vegas getting ready for Monday Night Football. Dad, you and your glory last night. I get a text as I'm laying down for bed to get up early to do this show. I'm on Pacific time, so I'm usually in bed pretty early because I'm up at 4 o'clock Pacific to get ready to do this live with you guys. And I get a text right as I'm ready to lay down my head on the pillow. I'm up $400 right now. You sicko. Yeah. yeah. I, and you're the only one I could text. I couldn't text your mother because it was late. So I'm like, I got to text somebody because I got here uh, to call the game tonight, uh, Vegas and Green Bay. And it was later. So I had to go down and get a couple of like, you know, these power bar things for the morning because nothing going on at four between four and five in the morning for me to go get any kind of breakfast. So I'm like, oh, I'm down here. I'll go gamble a little bit. Next thing you know, I'm going from machine to machine. All the blackjack tables were full. I was ticked off. So I'm going on machines, which which I'm 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 enjoying more and more. Next thing you know, I'm winning. And I'm winning. I'm happy. I text you. I go to bed, and I'm, now I'm Jerry rigging my 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 setup here uh, as well. So it's uh it's been an interesting trip already. I've only been here about eight hours. Yeah, that's an ice bucket, right? That you're that is yeah. on top of your little pile that the microphone's in. On top of my little pile, yes. Uh, It's interesting, you know, you guys have told me since I have to do shows on the road, take an Ethernet cord, and usually there's an Ethernet plug so you can hardwire in so that helps with the connection and and all that. And they have a great panel here on the wall that has all kind of inputs, including an Ethernet. And a couple weeks ago I did the show with it, 
and it didn't work. So this time around, I called down to engineering and I said, listen, you got the panel here, the ethernet, all the inputs. Can you tell me what I need to do? To it's, I know it's not just a plug-in because that's what I did a couple of weeks ago. They're like, oh, those things haven't worked in like a decade. I'm like, oh, okay, they're just for show then. They said, yeah, once, you know, Wi-Fi is, is around now, so we don't use any of those anymore. So I'm like, okay. So, you know, we're going to keep our cre fingers crossed that the, the Wi-Fi holds here, which they flat out told me this is horrible Wi-Fi and it may not hold up. So we got that going for us. And I have a handheld mic, but I, I like to have my hands free to eat A, talk, and B, look for information. So I had to figure out a way to jerry-rig. So I have the ironing board with the tissue box on the ironing board and the ice bucket on the tissue box and the microphone in the ice box, ice bucket. So that's that's how I have the mic close enough because it's got to be close enough to my mouth. So that is my jerry-rigging for this particular situation. That's wow. about as handy as my dad's ever going to get yes, is yes. trying to put together this tower of adult Lincoln logs so that he can spew takes about whatever the hell we watched in <laughs> Sunday night football last night. Because as ugly as that oh. setup sounds, it ain't nearly as ugly as what the Dallas Cowboys put on display in a 42 to 10 loss to the San Francisco 49ers. Dad, there was almost, I mean, you know, almost, there was nothing redeeming about this for the Cowboys. That was as defeated a group of people as I've ever seen. Obviously, during the game, but post game, everybody sounded shell shocked here. It, Dad, it got to the point where I just sat around thinking during the course of this beatdown that really at no point looked competitive for the Dallas Cowboys and asked myself, is there anything the Cowboys can do at this point to buy back people's faith, to make them believe that this team is actually capable of being a Super Bowl contender this season? Because while their schedule might still present challenges, they obviously play in the NFC East with the Eagles, who are also going to be in this conversation. This kind of ass whooping on the national stage, combined with the fact that this 49ers team did the same thing to you in the postseason last year, feels like the kind of stick to your ribs goodness that's going to be around for a while. Yeah, actually, the last two years, they knocked them yeah. out. So. <laughs> So I, the only thing you can really hang your hat on, listen, the 49ers are a better team, and they showed that, is the fact that why do we have series in the other – or there's series in the other sports, right? And normally what happens in a series is the best team ends up shining through. Well, in football, you have one game. So that, quite honestly, is the hope that you play great and quite, you need San Francisco to make mistakes. That that's That's what you can hang your hat on. And, oh, by the way – that happens. That happens. That nobody plays a perfect game, though San Francisco is certainly trying to. So maybe you catch him in an off day. But when you match up head-to-head, -head, like they were talking early on, boy, if Micah Parsons lines up at right end a lot and goes against Trent Williams a lot, what a matchup to see. That was no matchup. That that was you. you had to and why did they keep going back I, I, I to know. it? Why would you do that to why, him? Why I, I up on the bad guys? Listen, and, and and Micah Parsons could win Defensive Player of the Year quite possibly this year. But Trent Williams, I mean, is a walk-in Hall of Famer. Now that doesn't mean you don't put your best guy up against him. But man, that that that's one of those I'd move him around. And they started to move him off the ball like a regular linebacker rushing up the middle. He was slipping blocks on the other side. But when he was going one on one in Trent Williams, that was that was kind of like the game. It was a no go. I mean, there, there was nothing happening. This San Francisco team, they're they're right there. I think with with Philly, obviously, and KC is the you probably say they're the best because they're the most complete. They're they're a team that, as I said, you need to make would like them to make some mistakes. You can't count on that. 
So much so that in five games, their opening drives are four touchdowns and a field goal. I mean, yeah. they're jumping out with points on their first drive in every single game. So immediately, you know, you're, you're finding yourself. If you didn't score in your first drive before they had the ball, you're down right away against this juggernaut of an offense. And then forget the defense. I mean, how many times last night were they was Collins were talking about Warner and Greenlaw, those linebackers oh, and I, that D line. Greenlaw is. It, I've covered them a couple of times too. Dude's feisty. I mean, and and they, that there was nothing Dallas could do in this game. You you kept. It was to the point where I, I don't have I don't have a rooting interest in a, in this one. And a lot of people think, oh, you want Dallas to lose because you were in Philly most year. You hate him. I don't I don't care. I don't care. But I found myself and I was watching most of this game on the plane, going, man, please score, make this a game. I yeah, mean, do something. It, it's twenty eight to ten, and I'm like, okay. And then the well, long bomb interception, and then the interception. You know, when the ball gets hit on the receiver's hand on the drive after that, you know, and, and, and it's 42-10. And you know what it is? The floodgates clearly came off in the second half. Like Kyle Shanahan, I know, going into the halftime locker room, said he was ticked off because they didn't score on every drive in the first half. He thought they <laughs> left points out there. And like Michael Jordan, he took that personally and decided to go and cave their heads in all second half. But, Dad, you look at that first half, and we're trying to figure out where it went wrong for the Cowboys – I've got to lay the vast majority of the blame at the feet of the offense because going up yeah. against a team as complete as the San Francisco 49ers, the one thing you know is you got to be able to go out there and score right. points. Right. And of the yep. first four drives for the Dallas Cowboys, there was only one that actually went beyond three plays. Four of their first five possessions were three and out, three and out, three and out, fumble given up there that if the cow the four county excuse me the cowboys defense doesn't force a fumble of their own is going to lead directly to points dad the idea of complimentary football was totally out of whack the cowboys offense was serving their defense short fields and short rest yeah. periods going up against one of the best offenses in the league you get the if you get the 49ers to punt three or four times out of their first seven possessions in the first half that should be enough to give your offense a chance to go and is really the expectation i had they're not going to shut them out based no. on what this offense has been, especially when it's that lopsided from one side to the other in terms of the help that the offense is giving the defense. Yeah, you're exactly right. You know, you need to be in the game from the jump because, you know, San Francisco is going to jump out and do what they do. So you have to hold score with them. And, and to boot, as you mentioned, not only were you not, but they were three and outs. I mean, so your defense was back on the field. Again, this game, the closest it got, was in the second half, about second quarter, I mean, about halfway through, was that nice long pass to Turpin, and it's 14-7. to Because you're thinking it's 14-zip, and the way San Francisco was going is like, you were like, uh-oh. And that's what it turned out to be. But Dallas at least gets that score with about seven or eight minutes left in the half, and you're like, okay, all right. It was a big play. You know, they haven't really established a whole lot, but big play, and they get it to within a touchdown. And then 21-7, 21-10, 28-10, the rest is history, 42-10. You're right. That you, that's the thing. You have to keep pace with that offense. So that's the question. Who can keep pace with that offense? Because, oh, by the way, the best defense in the league is with San Francisco. So, I mean, they, they can stop you as well as hurt you on offense. So, I mean, they're, they're the best team right now. It's they and Philadelphia on a direct collision course because – we talk about the NFC being top-heavy, and it is San Francisco, it is Philly, and then we had Dallas there. Let's see what Detroit can do and what yeah. other, any other 
NFC team we can have. It's always the AFC we talk about with the depth, which we'll talk about. But, man, I, I mean, this this is just kind of clearly we're waiting for San Francisco and the 40s uh, in the postseason. But, by the way, we get them in the regular season, December 3rd. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that one coming yeah. up very soon. Yeah. And to your point about other teams that might be in this same breath, because for the 49ers, it's how they do it on both sides. According to FTN and uh, DVOA, their measure of efficiency over there, Entering this week, there were five teams in the NFL that were top 10 in that metric in offense and defense. It was San Fran, Buffalo, Philadelphia, Baltimore, and Detroit. Baltimore might take a little hit this week offensively, as might Buffalo, because of what went on in those games. But it is a tall order. We saw their stars show up early. Nick Bosa with a sack on one of those first drives. Fred Warner basically eating Dak Prescott alive on the perimeter of one of those plays. That man is a pterodactyl playing linebacker. With a, he covers so much space yeah. and so much ground. And it all does circle back, Dad, on the Cowboys side in some ways to Dak Prescott, who after the game got up at the podium and called this the most humbling loss he's been a part of. Well, a couple of weeks ago, humbling against Arizona. Uh, but this may be the most humbling game I've ever been a part of. Um, felt good about the preparation. Felt good about everything, honestly, coming into this game, matchups, and they beat us in every aspect. Dad, how worried does this game make you or should it make Dallas fans about the future with Dak Prescott here in Dallas? Because in a game where they were matching up, where we talked about the matchup between him and Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, and all the polarizing conversation we can get to about Brock, Dak Prescott was coming into this as the one people looked at and said, this is the more talented guy. He's been highly paid. And three interceptions later, people are scratching their heads wondering what they're tied to now. Well, that's exactly right, because Dak Prescott, we know what this team is every year. Every year, every team wants to win the Super Bowl. But, you know, Jerry Jones making his comments every year, Super Bowl or bust, Super Bowl or bust. And, and they haven't gotten close since uh, since 96 when they won those three, 92, 93, 96 or uh, 93. Yeah, those those three years. So I, I so it's a couple. It's twofold. It's he can't get them over the top. But like I talked about, like with Tony Romo, which is interesting because Dak took over for him, and and you didn't know that was going to happen because Dak was a fourth rounder. But it was it's like, well, where are you going to go? Because the one thing you don't talk about with Dallas is re, a rebuilding year. Though that old line is is getting aged. We know that, right? With Smith and with Martin and Biadish got hurt again last night. Um, so you, you're kind of hanging on there with that. But they're never really in rebuild mode. They're just kind of retool mode. So I guess that would be the question: Where are you? What do you? What's your option? What do you do? You, do you want to draft a? You're not going to be bad enough unless you trade a ton of assets to get a young quarterback. Are you going to bring in a free agent? Are they going to do better than Dak? So you're kind of like. And then there's well, the money and, situation as well. I was going to say, oh, by the way, you never restructured any of that contract for next year. And so he's due about $60 million right. that you're going to have a tough time wielding. So all that put together kind of locks you to, in the room with the guy, Dad, who is only getting older, who doesn't look as fleet of foot as he used to here. And now in the body of Mike McCarthy's offense, which had been playing well this season, which yeah, been putting has. up a ton of points going into the year. But when you held it up in the light and you had its direct foil across the other side of the San Francisco offense that does so much to try and free players up and get them open in space. And then you looked at a Dallas offense that comparatively looked slow, Dad. I think that was the biggest takeaway for this team was even the defense that had been this incredibly athletic ball of knives 
every part of the Cowboys operation compared to every part of the 49ers operation looks slower and less physical. And that as the baseline for this game is why it went the way it did is because the 49ers were along the lines of scrimmage, the far more physical team. And overall, skill wise, they looked like the much more dynamic team. Yeah, they do. I agree on every count because it's one of those where if the offense is going to do it, the defense needs to step up, and the defense couldn't step up against this offense. The offense, while they're, I think, right on the fringe of top 10 running the ball, they still need to be better running the ball. They can't be one-dimensional, so they need to be that mixture, you know, now with Pollard being the featured back there. So, yeah, I, to, to go full circle to your full question, first question, I, I don't – they're not good enough playing on a level playing field to be the best team in the NFL right now. But as no. I said, you get one game in the playoffs and you have to kind of hope for some things to happen, create some turnovers, which they could do, even though uh, Trayvon Diggs, their biggest guy that does that, is out for the year. Uh, so I, I don't know where they're, where they're going. I, again, they'll be near the top. They'll battle Philadelphia for the division title, but we know for Dallas, it's not enough. Like I said, every team wants to win the Super Bowl, but we know where Dallas is. It's not enough. It's like that next step. We need that next step. And it's going to be difficult to do in a in a very uninspiring, non-deep NFC, which is basically three teams deep until another team proves who's the fourth team right now in the NFC. Is it Detroit? Yeah, it's probably so, Detroit. Uh, yeah, so it's really those three teams battling out. And I think right now, San Fran at least, because they proved it, is well ahead of Dallas. And we're see where Philadelphia, another undefeated team, Keep, stand, keep stepping in. And you can't say enough about San Francisco. Mike, I still can't believe that Christian McCaffrey has scored in, what, 14 straight games? The dude has barely been in San Francisco. And he's he scored just, in 14 straight games. He's one away from tying the record. What is it? O.J. Simpson, John Riggins, and Lenny Moore all scored in 15 consecutive games. I mean, it's crazy. It's been insane, and for their offense, Dad, the question's going to come about him and Brock Purdy, George Kittle, everyone was firing on all cylinders in this game. Jesse, I know Brock Purdy's MVP odds took a big jump last night. Yeah, it's Mr. Irrelevant is literally anything but irrelevant at this point. His odds took a huge jump. He went from plus 2,200 to plus 700. He has the third best odds now behind only Mahomes and Tua. Guys, think about this. He's literally tied with Josh Allen. Did you think you'd be saying that? No, no, I didn't. <laughs> uh, Dad, this was one of those games that the primetime effect certainly takes over to some extent, but these were also some of Brock Purdy's most impressive throws of the season. Some of the stuff he did off script, laying balls in perfect spots. It was the normal stuff that we see inside this offense. And quite frankly, the conversation around him has been the normal stuff we've seen around guys working in this offense. It's not just the undrafted thing. We've done this with Tua and Mike McDaniel, especially because he came over there at a different juncture in Tua's career. But the bottom line is now you cannot deny the effectiveness. He has been on an unholy tear since he got to San Francisco and shows no signs of stopping. I don't think I'd still have him inside the top five list of quarterbacks in the NFL, but the guy's playing at the very least like a top 10 quarterback right now. And within the confines of this offense, George Kittle mentioned it after the game talking with Scott Van Pelt. They're asked to do a lot. There are a lot of moving parts to this offense, and you've got to know as the quarterback where and how everything fits right. together. And when you combine that with the timing and accuracy he's displayed so far, you get one of the best quarterback seasons we've seen. If he keeps this up, he's going to stay in this MVP conversation because especially of how the award works.
Yeah, deservedly so. I mean, they, the Chiefs and the Dolphins, I think, are the three teams that do the most movement before a play. That's what this offense does. And what, what everybody wants to do to Brock Purdy is say, well, look at all the weapons he has. And, and by the way, that is part of the equation. He has a ton of weapons. But, you know, Chris Collinsworth talked about it last night, and I talked about it when I was calling his games at Iowa State. His One of his biggest attributes is the neck up. He, and, he, and he played a lot in college, and that certainly helps. But his ability to, to diagnose where he wants to go with the ball, you ask any quarterback, and it's how quickly can you make that decision of basically where you know you want to go with the ball, whether it's pre-snap or a second after post-snap because now you've seen what the coverage is and know where you want to go. Now, there are times his guys are wide open, but there are times he is threading the needle and – I've always said there's different completions. There's a completion that you know the, the, the wide receiver running back catches the ball, and then he's down. He throws the guy to where they can keep going yards after the catch. So he makes quick decisions. He gets the ball to the right guy, and he throws a great ball. He's doing it all right now. He is, and, and to your point, that's that offense is designed around getting their receivers opportunities to run after the catch, and he has made that possible for Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, George Kittle. It was all working last night, but coming up next, Revenge, a dish best served cold in New York next. It was a special game for Hack, obviously being here a year ago, uh, racked up over 400 yards on him. Whether you're hosting game day or movie night, DiGiorno knows that planning a watch party on a budget isn't easy. You need the perfect setting, the perfect squad, and the perfect eats. Luckily, you're a game time mastermind, and you know that grabbing DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza can bring home a dub because it's packed with half a pound of cheese, sauce, and other toppings and comes at an incredible price. Make the game-winning call and grab a DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza from the grocery store today. It's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. I'm Jesse Cofield. It is time to hear some sounds from around NFL Sunday for Miked Up Monday, presented by Wrangler. So let's start with the Hackett Revenge game. All right, Jets played the Broncos yesterday, and we all know that this was a personal one, given Sean Payton's training camp comments about, you know, Hackett, where he said the 2022 Broncos were, you know, who were coached by Hackett, undermined by one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL, those were some fighting words. Everybody knew that this was a personal game, okay? And after the game, Coach Sala acknowledged that it was meaningful for Hackett. It was a special game for Hack, obviously being here a year ago. Uh, racked up over 400 yards on him. Uh, put up 31 points, so I'm happy for him. It was good, to be honest. Like, we mostly, mostly for Coach Hackett, it wasn't, I wasn't really worried about myself today. It was just... You know, he stayed quiet, he stayed humble, um, respectful, so we wanted to come in and get a win today for him, and we did that. Better coach, better team won. Whether he said much this week about it or not, I know it means a lot, and it meant a lot to this team for him. The players were fired up, and Aaron Rodgers got in on it, too, with this little tweet. W, uh, hashtag Hackett, heart, and then another hashtag. Um, so just some, some – you can tell that the players were – as fired up by this as I'm sure Hackett was behind closed doors. 
Oh, I have to imagine they said the most evil things about Sean Payton behind closed doors in this game. You saw some of it leak out on the field before the game. I forget which one of the Jets players got out there and was talking about the way he talked about our coach. We'll F him and F them. We're going to go out there and take care of business. Dad, this was as deeply personal as I feel like I've seen an NFL team treat a win in a long time. And make no mistake, it was a slugfest between two largely bad teams. This Broncos defense is historically bad so far this season. And the Jets' offense took their sweet time outside of Brees Hall dominating this team the way that they probably should have with Zach Wilson at the helm. But that had to feel pretty damn good for Nathaniel Hackett, who I I think I saw getting to swap some stories with guys from the Broncos that he clearly coached last year. They probably miss all of the Austin Powers jokes and were getting their fill of those after the game. But congrats to him on getting a dub. Listen, Mike, you know know the locker room, man. You're with those guys more than you're with your family at times. Uh, and it, it could be a close-knit group. Again, not everybody gets along with everybody, but it's like one of those things, you know, we can mess with our guy, you don't mess with our guy. And Sean Payton certainly messed with their guy. So everybody, we go back to training camp when that was said, you know, circle this week five matchup to say what would happen. And, and you're right, these are two overall bad teams, but that didn't matter in this game. This was about, you know, backing Nathaniel Hackett if you're with the Jets, especially on the offensive side of the ball, and sticking into the face of someone who publicly, publicly went after your guy. And you do everything you can. As I said, bulletin board material works up till kickoff. And this was going to be, it wasn't the greatest game in the world, but I picked this as the, in the uh, Golick thing we did last week, I picked it as the I, the Ick game. And by, by competitiveness, it was pretty good. You know, I mean, Denver's got the ball, down a touchdown, trying to, trying to, or even up the, uh, or down three, I should say, trying to even up the game until uh, Russell Wilson gets the ball knocked out of his hand for his second fumble. And, and Bryce Hall, not to be confused with Brees Hall, did an unbelievably athletic move, scooping that ball on the sideline and taking it to the house for the final points. But, to be able to shove it back in someone's face, have that opportunity and do it, then you do it loudly. You know, the, the game, you know, was in question for a bit, but once you had that thing wrapped up, you start talking a whole lot of smack. And you know what? You can do it. You talk as much and as loud as you want because that's exactly oh. what Sean Payton did about that uh, that Denver team last year and what Hackett did. You talk as much and as loud as you want within the confines of the matchup because I think we all wondered if they'd be a lot better. Like Part of this was Sean Payton grossly miscalculated the dip on his own chip going into the season with how good his football team has been, and now he brought all that attention on them, and while the bulletin board material only lasts inside that locker room leading up, the attention that it brought to a Broncos team that is now confirmed big bad is something that's going to have a negative effect on them all season long, and for the Jets, their outcome still doesn't really change just because they got this win. Zach Wilson's still their quarterback. The season looks roughly like it did last year where they don't in the AFC look like a playoff team and don't look like a team certainly capable of making that postseason run. But enjoy the feeling in the moment. Talk that talk. And Nathaniel Hackett, I have a feeling, is going to do a really weird gold member impression to start the team (laughs) meeting this upcoming week. Uh, Jesse, uh, good feelings there, bad feelings uh, inside that division elsewhere for the New England Patriots. Yeah, don't think we're going to be seeing any Austin Powers impressions from Bill Belichick anytime soon. Uh, Just when you thought it really couldn't get worse for Patriots fans after last week, they followed up last week's loss by getting shut out by the Saints 31-0. That's right. Quarterback struggles continued. We saw Mac Jones get pulled in the fourth quarter. And here's some sad stats 
for Patriots fans. Yesterday was the first time Bill Belichick has trailed by 30 points at home in his head coaching career, including with his time in Cleveland. It was the second worst loss of his career. Last week's loss was the worst of his career. And it is so bad, in fact, that Bill Belichick just wants to wipe the slate clean. All right, well, obviously it was a poor performance today here, so I mean, just plain and simply, we got to find a way to, you know, play and coach better than that. And so let's go and do start all over and um, get back on a better track than we're on right now. What, what does that entail, starting over? So, guys, you heard um, Greg Bedard of Boston Sports Journal. He's the one who asked that follow-up question. And after the game, you know, he's Bill's being Bill. He's saying, like, it, it entails what it entails, starting over. But he actually, Greg Bedard was saying they couldn't really hear any of his responses. And it was making it really hard to ask follow-up questions. Because Bill Belichick, when he walked up to the podium, the first thing he did was take the NFL mic and just – he took it out of the holder yeah. and just dropped it on the table. Just left established it dominance. That's yeah. a yeah. classic Bill ah. Belichick move to come in and control the situation there and show everybody that while you may be down and your team may have only scored three points in their last eight quarters, you are still the dominant force in this one. Dad, as far as changes that need to happen, I think the place that they've got to start is you got to think about benching Mac Jones at yeah. this point. You're just not getting any production out of that position. It seems lost. And Bailey Zappi's a guy that has come in at the end of the last two games. I know he, after the last game, defended Mac and said that he would be back out there. He just didn't want him to get him hurt. But you got to do something to mix up the bag. At this point, Bailey Zappi is a guy that we saw get significant time last year at certain junctures. I still think the two of them is kind of a parent trap situation. But either way, it feels like you got to do something because this is spiraling right now to the point where even your defense that had been so good and so competent started getting pushed around. Again, similar to what happened with Dallas because everything is so off yeah. kilter in terms of what your offense is providing in complementary football. Yeah, you're just asked to do too much. In this case, they're asked to basically to do everything first and really quick Alvin Kamara congratulations to him he had a touchdown all-time leading score uh career leader in Saints in touchdown so congrats to him wow but yeah I I, I agree uh I I agree they they that would be the place to start that's the most important position on the field it's getting them nothing right now because when you say start over you're starting over with the same guys in that locker room that's it that's all you have so it's what you're going to shuffle there and that's the shuffle that could at least have the biggest impact within the locker room. I don't think it's going to have much impact on the field, but you have to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere with that. Uh, I, I just, I don't know what else you're going to get because I don't think you fire Bill Belichick. I don't think that's a conversation. No, no, Unless Bill no. wants to leave, I'm still not willing to go that far. So if you're going to bench the quarterback, Mac Jones is certainly not going to be the guy in 2020 or 2024 no. at this rate. No. And Bill O'Brien might not be the offensive coordinator in 2024 at this rate. We know where you start to go and the limbs you start to hack off before ultimately you get to that spot. It's And it's also interesting you, you mentioned, because after Jesse mentioned it, Bill taking the microphone and putting it down, you mentioned establishing dominance. It's not really big anymore, is it? It, it doesn't really, it's kind of losing its effect, isn't it, of, of Bill establishing dominance? It's just that, listen, he's still one of the greatest coaches of all time. He walks into the Hall of Fame. Make no, I, I'm not saying anything about that. But as far as that dominance, it's not there. It's gone. I mean, it is completely gone to where they're going to be the worst team in that division, which what a lot of us thought anyway. So 
some of these power moves are, are going to get to the point of when you're putting rings on your finger, cool. When you're not, you start to roll your eyes a little. When bit. you're not, it looks a little petulant. Yeah, when when you're not, uh, you're mission in accomplished. Very right now. But coming whole... up next, we got to get to one of the worst coaching decisions we've oh. ever seen from college football this weekend. Next. It's the most wonderful time of the year. March Madness, getting ready to go in college basketball. And we got some of the best stars in the sport finally trying to close the deal. Zach Eady at Purdue trying to see if he can cap off an historic career with the championship. Much like his counterpart on the women's side and Caitlin Clark, who's been one of the biggest names in sports this entire year and is looking to see if she can snag that elusive championship that's eluded her during her career. Regardless of who makes it to that final game of the tourney, though, one thing's for certain. It's going to take the most talented people like the two I just mentioned working together to help these teams play at a high level. If you're hiring, you want the most talented people on your team to help your business go to the next level. How do you find them? ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com Gojo. ZipRecruiter uses matching technology to score excellent candidates for your job. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's powerful technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And once you review your list of the most qualified candidates for your job, you can easily invite your top choices to apply, so they're more likely to apply sooner. Pick ZipRecruiter to help you build a winning team. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Gojo. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash Gojo. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Welcome back to Gojo and Golick. Mike Gold Jr., Mike Golick Sr., and Jesse Cofield. We will get to the reason Mike Ryan probably called in sick to the Levitard show today oh, from the world wow. of college football in just a second. But I forgot, I need to ask you guys this question, especially as married folks, because of what we saw at the end of the Cowboys 49ers game, besides the football game that'll make people ask MVP questions about Brock Purdy and questions about the future in Dak Prescott and what he's truly capable of at this point. And spoiler alert, it does not seem to be lifting this offense beyond the some of its parts there was a moment after the game they showed in the broadcast where a man who was a 49ers fan appeared to propose successfully to his Dallas Cowboys girlfriend in the stands after that beatdown. dad this seems to be one of the more diabolically bad plans but it was effective in its outcome here which leads me to believe if you were to do that after this game in this kind of setting this must be the truest love known to mankind because if I were her in normal circumstances I'd have been pissed and wondering why the hell you're asking me this after I just watched my team get shellacked by yours and what has to already be a contentious thing in that household. So there, there's two married people out of the three of us. And the one thing I will say is, especially if you do it public now, I did not do it public. Jesse, I'm, I'm going to ask you in a second, but you normally you ask when you know what the answer is going to be. And when you're doing it publicly, you damn well better know the answer is going to be yes. Now, that situation, you may have a peeved person you're asking there a little bit, but you still know in the big picture, yeah, the answer is going to be yes. I, I asked your mother in a car in a parking lot before a concert, but I, I knew she was going to say yes. I basically told her I had the ring. It was the worst engagement known to mankind, but I knew she was going to say yes, whether I did it in a car or I did it publicly somewhere. Jesse, was yours a public one, a private one, and was there was no question right you were saying yes yeah I was there was no question I was saying yes it was um 
it was not like in our home or anything, but it was private. Like there wasn't people watching. There wasn't like a crowd or anything like that. But I just don't understand. I mean, these people are just different than me. I can't relate to this. I cannot relate to being okay with being proposed to. You, we can only imagine that they're drunk, that they've been, it's the end of the game. It's like yeah. they're, it's like the, I just can't relate to being in that situation and being like my future husband thinking that that would be a good time to propose to me. I do need someone to commission this study on the divorce rate of couples who have been proposed to in public. That's the kind of scientific service that we need there. So somebody get on that at Gojo and Golik on Twitter. Dad, in the meantime, we got to address what went on this weekend. We'll get to our football team, but Mario Cristobal is going to have one of the more uncomfortable weeks that a head coach has had in a while. Um, the decision at the end of the game for Mario Cristobal and the Miami Hurricanes, they were up three points at the end of this game with a chance to run out, or sorry, they were uh, up before that, with a chance to run out the clock in this game. And they instead, instead of kneeling on it, Miami had a 2017 lead with 33 seconds left on the clock. And Georgia Tech, who they had no business being in this close of a game with anyway, didn't have any timeouts left. But instead of kneeling down the clock and ending the game, Dad, they hand the ball off, their running back gets stripped, Georgia Tech goes on a game-winning drive for the ages, and they're left holding the bag. I know this sounds weird coming from us because we had a team who put 10 men on the field twice in the pivotal game, but Dad, I think given the circumstances, the fact that this was not ranked ranked, given the fact that they controlled the outcome of victory in this game, it was certain victory that they snatched from the jaws of defeat and instead managed to do that for a guy that's also been a head coach for a good long time. This feels infinitely worse, although maybe I'm emotionally hedging for my own sake here. No, no, it is worse because the outcome was in hand. You know, whether Notre Dame had 10 guys or 11 guys, Ohio State still had to run the play and they just got over the goal line, but far enough, you know, to, to have it be a touchdown. There still had to be a play run the outcome was in doubt. In this case, you needed to be under 40 seconds. It was. You needed to take a knee. It was third down. Take, I believe it was third down. Take a knee. Game's over. I mean, the game is literally over. This is what every offensive person says is the best formation in football, and that's the victory formation. And that's exactly what Miami should have been in. Why they weren't, I have zero idea. I mean, I have to imagine, I have to think even the players, when the play came in, were like, what the hell were we doing? I, I almost... No, there was a great shot of a Miami offensive lineman on the sideline going, what the F are we yeah, doing? Basically we crying doing? into his hands. Yeah, I mean, you almost think like they should have handed off to the back and the back maybe should have just fell down, you know, and made it like a kneel down that way and not not take the chance of getting touched by anybody. And Cristobal, after the game, said... You know, start, he started getting into a little bit of an explanation about time and stuff and then said, we should have knelt on the ball. And, and, and they should have. So this, yeah, this is worse because the outcome was, it was over. The game was over in a game, you're right, should not have been as close as it was, but yet it was. But all you had to do was get the ball to the quarterback to take a knee, and it was over. You got out of Dodge, you got one of those wins, you go to next week, and they blew it. And then give Georgia Tech credit for throwing the long pass for a touchdown. Again, how a guy gets behind the defense yeah. when they need to go long, that's a story for another day. That decision, one of the worst, I mean, it just seemed evident. It just it just almost seemed, I think, was Tim Hasselbeck doing the game, I believe? And he seemed kind of stunned at, wait a minute, 
wait, wait, wait. It, it, what are they doing? I mean, kneel yeah. on the ball. <laughs> it, it, and it's interesting coming off of last week, Notre Dame, after beating Duke, put out that video behind the scenes with the headset audio from all the coaches to kind of show people the communication that goes into a drive like that. And you saw some really interesting things about how they had the two point play picked out well ahead of time. And they were communicating through all of these parts and the coaching points of the circumstance. It really just served to underscore how many people are talking about the thing that you're getting ready to do on any given play on the field, how much preparation goes into that. And Dad, it makes it all the more maddening here. Mario Cristobal is obviously going to wear this because he's the head coach but so many people had a chance to voice and say yeah. hey, hey why don't we kneel on this why don't we get yeah. in on this they're all talking on the headset and the fact that a whole coaching staff full of people all didn't look up at some point and say oh that's right wait we can just kneel on this and get out of this has to be the part that maybe hurts even worse for everyone this morning because again Mario Cristobal that's a stain that's going to last for a good long time all the recruiting he's done in Miami all the things that we thought they had had turned around in the lead up to this game as they were getting ready this is a classic look ahead because they got North Carolina and Clemson coming up. And instead, what we got in this moment was something that's going to live with him for a long time, maybe forever, because it's as meme worthy and inexplicable as anything we've ever seen. There were also a number of other people who had a chance to help him out here and didn't. And, and, and you, but you wonder if they did, right? I mean, it's probably not going to come out. I mean, that's the thing about it. I mean, I don't think there's going to be anybody that says, I told him, you know, he shouldn't have done that. He should have knelt on it. I think the only person that would be able to say that, and I was surprised that that, and now I didn't hear the whole press conference, that that question wasn't asked, you know, was, hey, did did anybody say anything that you shouldn't be doing this? Did anybody try and talk you out of it? Because well, Mario Cristobal is going to be the only one really that would bring that up. He did, when asked about this, said, I'm not going to make an excuse for it, say we should have done this or that. That's it. We should have done it. Sometimes you get carried away with just finish the game and run it. I should have stepped in and said, hey, take a knee. So that does sound like maybe a bit of looking at right. the offensive coordinator Making and saying, oh, this wasn't my decision, but I should have stepped in, which we'll see how that goes over this weekend. But either way, Dad, that's the kind of moment that has a chance to send your season spiraling completely out of control if you're not careful inside that locker room. Because for a player, you, you all notice that stuff, right? We talked about this a bit with the Notre Dame and 10 men on the field. The players, at least in that situation, have partial ownership over it this one the play's coming in and you're looking over to the sideline and then you're yeah. waiting to hear the explanation after going what the hell just went on here yeah and you're right so that 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 answer makes it sound like it was called in by the coordinator but ultimately it falls on the head coach right there were a couple of plays in the notre dame game where we we were a little suspect with the call that were going on and it ultimately can come down to the head coach and say no you know we're, we're, we're not doing that in this one for sure you know, the head coach of Mario Cristobal could step in and say, absolutely not. Let's kneel on the ball. What are we doing? So this was a horrible, horrible gaffe that you're right. We'll see what kind of ramifications it's going to have on that. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what you do because, again, you're not going to fire Mario Cristobal no, for this. No, I know no. in the aftermath immediately of that, it felt like the popular sentiment among Hurricanes fans. But trust has gained in drops and lost in buckets, and my man kicked over that bucket and hasn't picked it up yet. Coming up next, let's get to our alma mater and what went wrong this weekend for Notre Dame and take a look at our all-weekend team of the top performers we saw next here on Gojo and Golik.
The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn five bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. That means as we lurch towards March Madness, you can try and figure out who's gonna win this whole thing. On the men's side, teams like UConn, Houston, and Purdue. On the women's side, South Carolina, Stanford, the Lady Irish in Notre Dame, or maybe Caitlin Clark's Iowa Hawkeyes finally get over the hump. Make the decision for yourself and head over and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code GOJO when you do. New customers can bet five bucks and get $150 instantly in bonus bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code GOJO, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY, that's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, Dad, before we get to our all-weekend team here, probably time to address the Notre dame size elephant in the room. Notre Dame went on the road for its third straight undefeated top 25 night game matchup and finally seemed to run out of juice. Louisville gets a 33-20 win in this one. And, Dad, there were some things we knew about Notre Dame going into this game, right? Notre Dame had struggled tackling all year. Some of that showed up in this game. But to see the offense now – Ever since the Ohio State game, it's almost like in a movie when someone bumps their head and gets amnesia and you spend the rest of the movie trying to get them to figure out who they were and what they've been. Ever since that Ohio State game, going from there to the Duke game and then to this game as Louisville, the offense just looked out of sync. There's no separation downfield from the receivers. This was Sam Hartman's worst game in a Notre Dame uniform. He finally throws an interception and follows it up with a couple more against a Louisville team that knows all about taking the ball away. From him in this game, it, it seems so uncharacteristic for them. But going back and look at it, Dad, really, I think it boils down to two things. Tackling on one side has been an issue, yeah. but it's been an issue Notre Dame's defense has overcome to great effect so far statistically on the season. Notre Dame was a bad situational football team yet again in this game. Third and shorts continued to undermine this Notre Dame offense. And then those interceptions by Sam Hartman. It's actually why I felt a little more hopeful about what this team is still capable of after watching the game because I didn't get to see it live. I was down between the Hedgens right. and Athens for Georgia, Kentucky. But watching it after the fact without all the noise in the background, saw a team that, man, if you can figure out third down play calling and how you execute in those moments and whatever the offensive line rotation was that was going on, this is still a group that I think can go out there and compete at a high level because I'm counting on Sam Hartman not having that kind of blow-up game again where a few balls sail and all of a sudden wind up in Louisville defender hands. Yeah, first and foremost, congrats to Louisville. As yeah, man, Jeff Brom. Last year, Sam Hartman was was with Wake Forest, and when they played Louisville, they, Wake Forest was number 10 in the country. Louisville beat him, three interceptions, Sam Hartman. This time, Notre Dame number 10, Sam Hartman, the quarterback, three interceptions as well. And he lost two fumbles, so five turnovers. It was his worst game at Notre Dame. You're right about that. But the old line has not been very good. The tackling, as you mentioned, uh, Notre Dame has lived with for a little while, but has been able to come out come out of it on the other side. Some of the play calling on third and short and, and forgetting play calling, then execution. There's two sides yeah. to it has not lived up at all, especially with what you think of what you have with this offensive line and this running game. So it was surprising to me 
Um, I thought in the second half when Notre Dame got the turnover and kicked the field goal, went up 10-7, I thought, okay, Notre Dame, what they do, they can start slow and then they start to lean on you, lean on you, lean on you. And I thought that's what was going to start to happen, but it didn't. All all, uh, uh, credit to Louisville and what they did. Their running game was absolutely incredible with the kid who had Joar Jordan ran for 143 yards. That dude is a home run almost any time he touches a ball. He's a threat. So congrats to them. And Notre Dame, listen, we, we've talked about this. They're, they're out, you know, two losses. You're not in the, in the four playoff system. When you get to 12, possibly you have a shot, but they're out with, with two losses. So now it's play for pride, play for a new year, six bowl. If you can run the table, but now you have USC coming in. Oh, by the way, had a triple overtime game against Arizona, uh, so they had a tough run of their own and a very a bad defense coming in to South Bend. So we'll see how that one ends up. But it's a shame because every player and every coach knows and every fan, you get two losses in this day and age in a college football class and you're not in a conference, you're not going to make the playoffs. It feels tough because it's the one year we've got Sam Hartman and now yep, that feels exactly. like that opportunity yep. has been lost here. But still an opportunity to go forward, be a double-digit win team. You mentioned SC coming to town. Either the Notre Dame offense or the USC defense is going to have right. the get-right game of the right. all-time because that has been stoppable force meets movable object. For Notre Dame, got to get the interior of the offensive line figured out and got to get the identity figured out here. You mentioned leaning on them. I don't know if we saw consecutive runs called the entire night, even allowing for the game script there. I think you got to get back to trying to bruise people up front and make that your identity, even with the quarterback that you have, because right now, receivers just not giving you as much production as you would need to be a consistent downfield passing team. All right, Dad. Now that we've purged our feelings wait, here, wait, let's wait, get to wait, some positives. Wait. Before we oh. move on. Oh no. Uh Gojo, you said that you didn't get to, you know, you didn't get to see it live. Obviously, you were a little busy between the hedges there. What did you do? I've heard that you've broken things physically when you found out about Notre Dame losses. <laughs> what what got broken? What was in your vicinity? Oh or no, this is total public? dissociation. Oh, I'm okay. at the I'm at the point now where I could stop. Like once I saw what was going on, so I'm sitting in the press box. I'm watching Georgia and Kentucky, which, good God Almighty, oh, wow. Georgia, Georgia. Um, they're the number one team in football. Yes. Like we yes. have very few things that we can be certain of in a college football season that's been this chaotic. It's Georgia and Michigan right now, and then a pretty hard line and everybody else in terms of who I trust because that team went out there and railroaded a pretty solid Kentucky squad. They've yep. got some yep. questions about the passing game of their own right. But Georgia looked every bit like the team finally been waiting. They had 17 first quarter points on the year, worst in the SEC coming into this game and stormed out the gates. I think put three up in the first quarter of this game. So I was watching and I was seeing what football at the highest level looked like right now. This Georgia team's been the standard for the last three years. Athens, awesome environment, by the way. Mama's boy, one of the favorite breakfasts I've had on the road in college football season so far. But Jesse, watching that and then seeing and hearing what was going on in the Notre Dame game and knowing two losses meant they were out of the playoff race, it allowed me to kind of take a step back and go, all right, the fan part of my brain can now X off those top-end hopes for the season. Notre Dame is not going to be a playoff team now this season. And so I achieved a state of zen that comes with that release <laughs> of finally get letting go of the expectations associated with your team. I had allowed myself to buy in 
get hurt again, open myself up to that potential pain. And I felt the full brunt force of that pain at the Ohio State game. The people that saw me in the graduate hotel in Eugene, Oregon, I am so, so sorry. You had to watch a man fall down trying to crow hop and throw his hat into the wall. But everybody in that locker room in Athens, Georgia, got to see me at my very best, which is resigned to our fate and then trying to go about finding answers. Because the one thing that can't happen now, Dad, for Notre Dame is you can't let this season spiral. There are already going to be enough vultures circling around the message board circles for Marcus Freeman and company here as a head coach in year two of ever being a head coach right now is hitting some adversity yet again in a season. It didn't come at the hands of Marshall like it did last year or a hapless Stanford team. These have been good top 25 teams that we're talking about here and a Louisville team that is undefeated and absolutely going to factor into what's becoming a crowded ACC slate right now. But if you're Notre Dame and you go out here after USC looked lost against that Arizona team in triple overtime, even offensively not looking quite themselves. You cannot come in and one, lose this game, but you certainly cannot let Kayla Williams and company come in and go out and embarrass this game or else the conversation is going to get very uncomfortable in a way that I don't think should be happening. I want to be abundantly clear. I trust Marcus Freeman and this coaching staff. I believe in what they're doing. But right now, you're at a very critical juncture in the early life cycle because for a lot of people, this is going to be the official end of that honeymoon phase there. And this is another very tough test. We talked about this team feeling gassed because of the stretch they're in. It doesn't get any easier. I saw Big Noon Saturday is going to be there. This is still a game with a lot of juice for a lot of people. And so it's going to be an important resume point for everybody involved. It is, because you wondered after the Ohio State loss, how did they come out in the next game? And Duke, it was a a fight, but they came out and they showed resilience and get the win. Okay, how are they going to do against Louisville? Did not look good, but now it's period, end of paragraph. Any playoff talk is over. So now how do you respond? Now that's Marcus Freeman and the coaches and the leaders of that team. How do you respond now? Okay, that goal we had is now done. But you do have USC coming in. If you go to Notre Dame, you understand Notre Dame, USC, and what that means. So how quickly can those guys turn that page, as as you mentioned, fourth night game, fourth undefeated ranked team. But, hey, that's the way it lines up. You know, you got to go play it. So that's going to be the interesting thing to me is the resilience. Didn't show up last week in Louisville. Congrats to Louisville. What happens now when your destiny has kind of been set from the side of, okay, we're not getting to this goal, how do we respond? I think there's enough pride in that locker room from everybody involved, of players and coaches alike that have been a part of high-level winning seasons around there who are used to the standard for preparation. I think you've got the right leadership for all of that to happen, but for both sides, right? USC and the other side, Lincoln Riley in that locker room is looking at that team and probably can accurately say to them, if we continue playing like this, we're not going to be in a position to be a college football playoff team to even win a Pac-12 championship as we've got Oregon and Washington set to battle this weekend that look like the front runners for that right now. Lots on the line for both teams heading into one that's certainly going to be frosty in South Bend. Coming up next, we'll get to those all weekend teams now that I'm done ranting and bloviating (laughs) next year on Gojo and Gola.
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.